Triath. Um, I'm going to take a seat and invite Triath up to the stage here. Um, hey, Triath, how's it going? Oh, nervous, but uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, very good. Now, you've been uh, coming along to Crescent for about uh, six or seven years, but to those of us who really only know you from the basketball court, <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your background, um, where, you're, where you grew up, a little bit about your family. So, um, my name is Shriyat, as you've obviously heard, and um, I've been coming here for seven years again. Um, so, I was originally born in a country called Sri Lanka, which is this tiny island nation in the Indian Ocean. Uh, lived there for three to four years before um, there was a civil war going on, so my family decided to take me out and uh, the rest of the family and move us to another tiny country called the Seychelles. Again, Indian Ocean, you're seeing a theme here. But um, yeah, I spent most of my life there and that's where I probably grew up, if you ask most people. Other people would say I never grew up, but... Um. So, <laughs> can I just ask, a, a show of hands, has anybody been to Sri Lanka or the, the Seychelles? Okay, yeah, we've got a couple. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty foreign to most of us. So anyway, sorry, go on. Oh, yeah. Um, as for my family, three sisters and two amazing parents. Sisters are amazing too, but never tell them that. <laughs> um, yeah. So tell us a little bit then about... Um, you know, the, the, those two countries, like I said, not very familiar to us. Um, in terms of sort of a, a religious background, was that a big part of your family growing up, uh, school? What, what did that look like? So growing up, I would have had this like curious mix of um, Catholicism mainly, and there was a fair amount of Buddhism there too. Okay. So um, it's, it's, it's a weird mix. So um, the t determining reason really why would have been that um, the nuns were faster than I was, and there's only so much running I could do at the time. But in all seriousness, my sisters and I had, were, we weren't given really much of a choice except to embrace the traditions of our family. And as for the Buddhism, you might like, consider them like water and oil, like why those two combinations? But culturally, like me growing up, putting all your eggs in one basket or all your faith in one God would have been seen as this um, rather foolish thing to do almost. And Buddhism being the main religion of Sri Lanka, it was kind of picked up on a lot, and um, some aspects were uh, taught to me. Wow, so there was like sort of an influence from c Catholic nuns, Buddhism, sort of like an eclectic Spotify playlist. <laughs> um, and, and so, so, you're, so you're kind of covering all the bases. It felt like um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, you're kind of merging different worldviews together. Um, I guess, what, what, what then, uh, sort of, schoolboy school Shriath, what, what did you think about God? Like, was, was it a, a what is God, who is God, uh, with this sort of eclectic mix of influences? So, like, being encouraged to believe in different things, I kind of ended up with this vision of God being this, this mythical figure behind this gray curtain who, who would demand our obedience, and there was no moving away from him. And, grow, and growing up a bit more from that, I kind of saw him as this um, almost opiate of the masses, this kind of character that we made up because we are too weak to stand up on our own two feet and probably just a crutch for these people. For me, maybe the real idea of God didn't really come to me until I was around 14-ish, where um, my mom tricked me into going into this Youth for Christ camp 
yeah, won't trust her. But uh, after one of those teaching sessions, which I, I really tried to avoid, um, there was this prayer at the end where they prayed for us. And I kind of felt something at that moment that maybe there was something real, that there maybe might be a God who loved and cared for me. Okay, good. So praise God for moms who send kids to camps. Um, <laughs> So, so, so you're at this Youth for, for Christ camp and so kind of distills down all these different ideas um, into a God who's sort of personal. Um, what, what, sort of, what was the next step then in terms of if God was a person and he, he loved you, what then did you do in response to that? Or uh, wasn't a great approach because especially back then um, I would have been this fairly stubborn person this person who wants to do everything his own way, he wants to kind of like live by his own rules. So I kind of set myself this like arbitrary way to kind of pursue God, where um, I didn't really ask for help, tried to read the Bible at the time by myself, and uh, well, didn't really find much success in it because like I had no idea what this book was. It's like the Bible, but yeah, my mom, at the time as well, tried to started going to this new church, which is this Pentecostal church just um, opposite the road from where I went to school in the Seychelles. And um, she tried to encourage me to go, but uh, like I, I refused. I was done with this whole religion thing. But um, the pastor there was like technologically, he wasn't having much success. Everything he touched would like fall to pieces. So he could kind of like um, ask for my help because. At the time, I really loved tinkering with laptops. So I used to work on his like, uh, computer, his printer, his projectors and stuff, trying to get like, the whole system up and running like, in the back of the church while like, um, he was uh, praying or there was like, preaching going on. And in those moments, I guess, I kind of formed like, a bit of the basic stepping stones on who God was. So you were the... This was whether it's Southern Hemisphere or Northern Hemisphere, pastors everywhere are looking for a reliable tech guy, and you were the tech guy before you were a Christian sort of thing? Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so, so, so we've got this picture of, um, you understand that there is a God, and, and you're, you're, it sounds like you're, you are trying to read your Bible, you're, 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 church isn't that fun, but you're still there. You know, how would you sort of characterize the, your relationship with God at the time, and how was that working out? Was there much joy there? Or? Well, there was a lot of joy in fixing the computers, but uh, to be honest, um, the Bible reading and stuff was a pretty frustrating experience for me because I had like this whole like plan in my head where um, knowledge of the Bible would get would win me those kind of like brownie points with God and kind of put me in His good graces, and then. Everything else I could kind of live on my own terms. Understanding and like kind of trying to know God wasn't really a priority for me then. It's like, like another subject at school, mm -hmm. another test to pass. That's the real idea? Yeah, especially because, I don't know, there's this almost stereotype of the Asian mindset where you have to do well in your exams and like it, you kind of like partition your life in that way where everything just becomes a test to pass, to excel at, and then move on. I've read an article about the tiger mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Asian mindset of, of having to pass the exams. Um, 
Yeah, so what, what was the sort of next thing then that caused that to change in terms of in, in your life? Um, how did you sort of break out of that cycle of trying to sort of earn um, brownie points with God? So um, kind of made another move in my life. So this time from Seychelles, I moved to another tiny country called Mauritius. Um, again, island nation, Indian Ocean. Any yeah. more people being to Mauritius? <laughs> no, that's, that's a real class question. To separate. Yeah. Nobody's been to Mauritius. You're missing out. But yeah, uh, yeah it's a lovely country. Um, great food, lovely weather. Um, just a little bit better than Northern Ireland, I have to say. Um, so you went to Mauritius, and then what did that do in terms of your relationship with or your understanding of, of who God is? And... So, like, all these countries, like, you might think all Indian Ocean, they're the same, but culturally, and most importantly, my friends were in various countries and far away from me. So at the time, I had, like, a lot of free time on my hands, so decided to look for something that kind of wasn't limited by borders or um, where I was in my mental space, but something like universal almost. Um, so my mom, again, after much arm twisting, got me to go to this small Pentecostal chapel in, um, in Mauritius. And then they really impressed upon me how much I needed God. And I thought this might be a step I should be taking at this time that I was a sinner and Jesus was the cure. But kind of didn't really want to approach this because it felt like the world that I wanted to live in was kind of against this world that Jesus asked, is, call, is calling us to be in. But um, I gave God a bit of my time on a Sunday and um, I finished high school and kind of then university is like there right in front of me. And the, the independence it offered was kind of very, very alluring. Okay. And yeah. So obviously the theme for this evening is, is grace. Like, so in, in all of this sort of time, you've now gone through sort of primary school, secondary school, three different countries, camps, different churches, some Buddhism influences, some Catholicism, some Pentecostal influences. Where was, would you say grace was a, an aspect that you you understood at that stage, or, or, or what was it then that kind of, um, where did grace play a part, or did it, did it play a part at this stage? So I would have to say it played like a very tiny part, because for the most part, my eyes and my, like my mindset was fixed on like the unnecessary rules of Christianity. I kind of saw grace as just this easy thing I could take at best, okay. nothing too, too worth of, uh, too worthy of my thoughts at the time. And, but to be honest, it was playing a part now looking back during those times because my, my path here to Queens and Belfast was really, really unlikely because I, I, I did goof for my A-levels and I messed them up pretty badly. So Too much time fixing computers? Uh, <laughs> more like uh, too many times playing random people on the internet okay. in video games. Okay. Um, yeah, that was not a <laughs> great time, but um, yeah. Um, but you got the Belfast, so you got, you got the Queens. So talk us through then that sort of change, coming to Queens, um, coming to Belfast. So there was like a few people, like my path here was very random. Like I was pretty much set on going anywhere else but here. But then God kept putting those people in my life who kind of encouraged me first to 
that I, there was a better university. I was like, okay, I failed at life. Let me just go to a basic university, get a degree, and kind of like slog my way. But then they kind of encouraged me, like, don't give up, just push yourself. And not only push myself with my choice of universities, but also to um, kind of pursue God and um, trust in him. So, so you obviously got accepted into Queens. Yes. You came here to Belfast. Um, and then you, you, in our conversations before, you sort of said, coming to Belfast, this is when your relationship with God really changed and, and, and you started to understand grace rather than trying to earn these brownie points. Mm-hmm. Um, talk us through what sort of experiences sort of led to that and, and, and in your, when you moved here to Belfast. So, um, yeah, uh, when I first got accepted in the Queens, uh, there's a thing international students, a lot of most international students would have to do, which is like applying for a visa. If you're uh, an international student here, you know the very mental, the very real mental pain that you have to, to do to get those things, like pages and pages of documents. But as one of those steps you need to do is, for that visa, is to go through a medical check. So when I went through that medical check with my dad, who was c- coming with me, um, I did thankfully pass, but my dad was in that check diagnosed with cancer. So um, I, he did insist that I go off to university, but I managed to stay with him during the, the early treatment, and that part of my life was one of the most trying times um, because growing up I was quite a sickly kid and my dad was always there with me when I was sick but it felt like during this time I was abandoning him. So, um, and I would left home for the first time living by myself and I came to God completely desperate and without, like, without any illusion that there was anything I was bringing to the table there was nothing that I could say like, look, I'm here with good grades, not with any achievements, but I'm here, I need your help, and please kind of like walk me through this place. And in, that mo- in those moments, God is the one who kind of gave me that strength. He blessed me with some incredible people who kind of looked after me, even though I was in a bit of a hopeless spa- space right then. And not only that, but he revealed more of his character that he was a God who cared, who loved, and had been through everything. And that, and it, it just got worse and worse because the, the person, my dad, who inspired me from the very beginning, kind of his, his condition started to deteriorate and the cancer was spreading. Mm. And his, like, his facilities started to deteriorate very, very significantly. I remember like a year before like, he passed, he, he was able to play cricket, was able to toss me on his shoulders, so the deterioration was quite severe. Mm. And, but by God's amazing providence that he eventually gave his life to Christ, mm. and God gave me a chance to go home and say goodbye to him, even though, even though like, everything was very, very difficult to organize, the treatment, the trips, the moving from country to country because at that time my family moved back to Sri Lanka as well. And even though I had to skip through like university to see my dad and to go for his funeral to sort out his affairs, God somehow got me through those exams, through those many assignments, and I genuinely couldn't say I could have done any of those things without his blessing or without his unmerited favor. And so that is really through that experience of 
many of the support things being stripped away that you would now say that you first understood that you that the heart of Christianity is 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 trusting in God's grace and not trying to earn favor with him exactly yeah. yeah kind of like all the the foundation which I'd built my life on was kind of stripped away and um eventually like um I would find myself wishing that even after I had given my life to Christ and started to have a proper faith in him, mm. that um, the life was far from smooth at that mm. point. Mm. But um, yeah, I always imagined being saved with this, like, imagine, like the switch you could flick on and then your life would be smooth. You would stop making the same mistakes. But um, God's grace was there, was ever present. His, every time I thought I knew the limits that it was just a drop in the real ocean, which he really displayed for me, and I think um, for all of us here. And I guess although my story is like a small part of it, like um, I could always read the Bible for that, that true story of how God's grace has just changed all of our lives. Mm. So just as we conclude and draw this interview to a close, if, you, if you're sort of going back to the, the start and sort of, you know, baby Shriath in this sort of Catholic Buddhism eclectic mix, uh, these things that seem superficially very different. Um, how does sort of the grace of God as seen in the gospel kind of contrast to all of those different cultures and worldviews that you kind of pass through in your life? So I guess for me, like growing up and I, I went to an international school where you meet people of like every conceivable background, themes like um, law, justice, and even love to an extent would kind of be pretty common themes among most schools of thought. But the thought which always like, like surprised me was grace. And if I had to go back to a rather stubborn, annoying young kid called Shreyat, um, I probably, <laughs> well, yes. Um, yeah, that's probably what I try to explain to him with gritted teeth, obviously. Um, but I'd also have to explain to him that this God who displays his grace is one who's walked through all that we have to go through, and he knows the pain and the suffering to a much greater extent than any of us could possibly know. But he is willing to walk through with, uh, walk through with us no matter what we're going through. And that has always been one of the parts of the gospel which has made me just stop and like think, wow. But I guess like uh, if I, whenever I look at the Bible, the part which I look at to remind me of this would be like the part in Psalm 23 where you, well, I won't read it all, but um, you know how God is shepherding us through the darkest of valleys or through the greenest of pastures. He's not one or the other, he's everything. Mm -hmm. He goes through us through, he goes with us through everything. And um, he doesn't need us to do anything. He doesn't depend on our strength or our knowledge, wisdom. But I've been depending on his, whether it was that time seven years ago or whether it was today, when, right, when like focusing on tonight's uh, interview. But um, yeah, and I also do feel called to try and show that grace when treating others. But um, if anyone knows me, um, I'm very often to, I'm very quick to throw shade or be stubborn. So it's very much a work in progress. 
but uh, great. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Shriath, for that. And um, we're we're now going to sing only by grace, uh, and then afterwards, Dave is going to come and bring our epilogue as we uh, look at the scriptures and uh, look further at this as theme of grace. So let's thank Shriath in the appropriate way. Good evening. Uh, great to hear Triaf sharing his uh, story with us, wasn't it? And uh, if anyone uh, looks at needing any advice on somewhere to go on holiday, or you want to go for your honeymoon, or you've got a big anniversary coming up, then some of the places that Triaf did should be top of your list. So he's more than happy to chat to you about it and, and share with you about those countries. Uh, but more than about what Triaf shared about from his life, there was something that kept coming up, and it's been something that we've mentioned already in the service, and something that we've been singing about as well this evening, uh, and it's the idea of grace, the idea of grace. Uh, now, some of us might just think that word is uh, maybe a nice girl's name, or maybe it's a, a prayer that you say before a meal, maybe when you were back in primary school and everyone had to wait while someone said grace for a meal, but for Christians, grace is, it's a bit bigger than that. In fact, the idea of grace is really important to Christians, and it's central to the Christian faith. So what we want to do just in the time that we have remaining is, is to think a wee bit more about this idea of grace. Uh, the Bible's full of memorable verses, uh, loads of great quotations, uh, but when we come to thinking about this topic, this idea of grace on its own, there's a couple of verses uh, in particular uh, that, that I think would really help us as we take some time tonight to think about it. In fact, if anyone asks you to, uh, to summarize the gospel, summarize the Christian message for me, then I recommend these two verses that we're going to read together tonight as well. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. If you have a Bible that you want to look it up, or if you have a U version or something on your phone and you want to have the verses open before you, then uh, please do so now. You'll not go too far wrong with these if you have to uh, summarize the gospel message. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Very short, two verses, let's read it again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. There's a couple of things I want us to notice about these verses. These verses have been written by a man called Paul who was writing to believers, writing to Christians in a church in a place called Ephesus. And one of the things that he wanted to point out to the Christians there was this, that salvation, being saved, we were thinking about that word last week when Laura was sharing her testimony, saved, it's not by works. In other words, you can't earn it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't uh, buy your way into heaven 
And you can't win God's favor. Triathlete, as he was sharing, he thought when he was younger that if he did certain things, that it would in some way win God's favor. And yet often, we in our minds think a bit along those lines. We think that we can in some way get God to owe us something. I often hear about people and chat to them, and they'll, they'll tell me how they maybe try to live a good life. They try to do good things, more good than bad, and they hope that it will be uh, enough good things in their life that at the end of their life, if they have to stand before God, God will say, well, it outweighs the bad, so I'll accept you. It's as if they believe God is waiting with a set of scales to, to measure everything you've done and see if it's enough, if it's good enough for you to get into heaven. But I want you to take a moment just to think in your life, if that were the case, how well would you do? How well would you do? If God came in and weighed all your good works, all the good things that you've done in your life, and he put them against all the bad things that you've done, how well would you do? Well, I'll be honest, I don't fancy my chances. And I don't think I, I'm not even too bad a person. I've never murdered anyone. You know, hopefully a lot of you haven't murdered anyone either. Uh, but if we weighed them up, I don't think we'd do pretty well. Our culture is also full of the idea that nothing comes for free. You've got to work for it. And again, Shriath shared that idea earlier on. It wasn't just his mom maybe wanting him to do well in exams. Uh, really, that's something prevalent across the whole world, isn't it? That we've got to work. If we want this, if we want something, then we've got to work in order to earn it. We've got to do something in order to get it. And what's more, we can sometimes, as a, as a church, as Christians, we can take that same way of thinking and apply it into Christianity. You know, when I go to church most Sundays, you know, I, uh, God and me are pretty much on first name terms because I go to church, you know. Uh, I pray, I pray often, maybe I, I give to the poor, so God, come on, you owe me one. You know, I'm looking out for people, that's what you want me to do, so a bit of give and take. I went on a mission trip last year, and I had to go with uh, some of those people from the church, and you know what they're like, so that was a real test of my patience, etc. Uh, so you 100%, you definitely owe me for that one. I'm not thinking of any of the teams here from Crescent, by the way, when I've said that. But each of us can maybe sometimes fall into that trap of subconsciously thinking that God owes us something. And sometimes we can also think that maybe, uh, maybe we deserve God's love and mercy, especially when we compare ourselves to other people. I said it earlier on, oh, I'm, not, I'm not that bad a person. You know, I'm not in jail. Haven't murdered anyone, haven't done this, haven't done that. But the reality is that there is absolutely nothing that you or I can do to earn our salvation. And let me tell you why. It's because of a thing called sin. That is what prevents us from earning our salvation, no matter how much good we do in our lives. And we don't fully appreciate just how serious God takes sin. We don't realize just how offensive it is to him. This sin, it's really a word that we use to describe anything, this, a thought, even a thought, 
a word, an action, anything that goes against what God's will is for us. You know, some things are obvious, murder, theft. Other things are maybe more subtle, like pride. Or maybe some things are are known only to us, like lying. But these sins, because they are so serious in God's eyes, whether we've only committed one or whether we've committed a million of them, it means that we've fallen short of God's standard. Because God is perfect and His standard is perfect. So the moment we cross that line, it doesn't matter what it is we've done, we can never get back across that line on our own steam. No matter how much good we do, it will not cover over that wrongdoing. It will not cover over that offense we've committed against God. If we had a set of scales, once one sin goes on to that other side, nothing will even balance it. Nothing will outweigh it. You know what? If we could do something, then I'm sure we would. If there was something that we could do, we would probably do it, and in all likelihood, likelihood we would boast about it as well, wouldn't we? And that's what Paul writes in this. He says, it's so that no one may boast. Because if we could, we would do it, and then we would boast about it. I've earned my own salvation. I've made my own way back to God. But the reason that it's, uh, it's so that none of us can boast, none of us can then stand in judgment of another. None of us can say, that someone else didn't deserve it, because you and I both know that we didn't deserve it either. So that's the first thing to keep in mind, that salvation doesn't come about by works. We can't earn it. But the key thing here, I think, for us, something to, is what we've been, the theme of this evening, is that salvation is by grace. How do we get this salvation? How do we find ourselves in that place that Laura was talking about last week, of being saved how do we find ourselves, what that save means is being in a right relationship with God. How do we find ourselves there? Well, according to these verses in Ephesians, Paul says that it's by grace and it's through faith. But what exactly is grace? What is it? In the Bible, and Shri have mentioned it as well, that grace is God's unmerited favor towards an undeserving people. Now, that's quite a wordy way of thinking about it. But another way of thinking about it is this. It's God's love for you and I who don't deserve it. God's love for you and I, and we've not done anything to deserve it. He loves us. Not only that, it's a free gift. In other words, we don't have to pay for it. We don't have to do anything to earn it. One of you ever been given a gift? Maybe a birthday present? And then maybe the person who's given it to you, as they've handed it over, said, that'll be 20 quid, please. Could you imagine if they did that? You wouldn't be too impressed, would you? You'd be a bit shocked, because it was supposed to be a gift, but it ain't a gift if you've had to pay for it yourself. In the same way, just as when we receive a gift, someone has paid for it. You don't have to pay for it, but someone has paid for it. Someone has put the effort into getting that gift together for you and and given it to you. So there was a cost, not to you, but there was a cost to someone. And in the same way, grace, though it is a free gift that God has given to you and I, it's come at a cost to someone. 
And the someone that it's come to a cost to is God himself through his son, the Lord Jesus. You see, all that wrong, doing all that, that sin, it had to be paid for. It had to be covered over in some way, but the only way to do it, the Bible's very clear about this, because it's so serious, the only way to do it was to pay for it in blood. But the only way of paying for it in blood would be for someone who hadn't sinned, someone who was perfect, someone who was sinless. And so God himself in human form as Christ was the only one who could pay. You know, as we acrostic, uh, I had to look up what that word meant, uh, but basically you take a word and each word has another word attached to it. You'll know what I mean when I say it. I'm not explaining it very well. Grace is this. Maybe you've heard this before. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. This grace, this free gift that has been given to to you and me, came at a cost to Jesus. You see, what we have received through him is is actually pretty amazing. It's, It's immeasurable. If you have an opportunity, I encourage you to read the book of Ephesians. There's a, a guy's Bible study here at uh, Crescent. We, we looked through the book of Ephesians last year. and really encouraged by it. But, but chapter 1, Paul details some of the things that we have obtained as Christians because of God's riches. Some of these things. These spiritual blessings, he refers to them. And we've got them because of what Jesus has done through the cross. What he did when he died for us. He says that we've been brought into God's kingdom. We've been brought into his family. We've been forgiven for all that wrongdoing, all that sin that has built up in our lives, those things that have weighed us down and burdened us and prevented us from being in right relationship with God. He has forgiven us of them. We're now considered his children, that we're considered to be God's children. We've been brought into that family. We have an inheritance, a future life uh, after this life where we can look forward to being in God's presence. Christians have also been given the Holy Spirit, uh, almost like a down payment of that life to come. As God's children, we have been given the Holy Spirit to help us live out this life because this life isn't easy. And so Christ himself promised the Holy Spirit to his disciples and to his followers so that they could carry on his ministry now. And all of these of God's, all of these of God's riches and, and more, which Scripture details, has been given to us freely. But it has come at Christ's expense. So that's what grace is. All of God's riches given to you and me who didn't deserve them, who couldn't earn them, but they've come at a cost to Christ. Another thing that we is tied into this idea as we read through these verses is this, that salvation comes through faith. How can you and I find this grace that I've been talking about, that Shriath was talking about, that we've been singing about in our hymns? Because the verses say, Paul says, that we're saved through faith. Well, faith in what? Or should I say faith in whom? 
Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says this, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You see, faith is more than just believing something to be true. You've came in here this evening and you saw those seats. They were real. You knew they existed. But really it was until you sat on it, you've not really demonstrated faith in that chair. You knew about it. You could see it, but you haven't demonstrated faith in the seat. Someone once said that true faith is belief plus trust. And as for our faith in Christ is in the same way, that it's belief in him plus also trusting in what he has done, what he has accomplished through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Knowing Christ existed is not faith. That's just head knowledge. Believing that he came to die on a cross for you and me and to make a relationship with God possible again, something that had been broken, that is faith. And the Bible is clear. There is nothing more that we need to add to that. Christ has done it all. There's nothing more that we need to add. Christ has done it. If you're adding anything else to your faith, works, for example, trying to curry favor with God or a, a, tech, a checklist, ticking off tasks or activities to try and earn your way towards that salvation, then you're claiming that Christ was not enough. So in these short two verses, Paul here explains to us that unless you have faith in Christ, then you don't know what grace is either. There is no grace. If you don't have faith in Christ, then there is no salvation for you either. Because salvation is through Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone. You know, these are such important truths for us uh, to grasp tonight. Actually, they were part of the, they made up three out of the five foundations of the Reformation in the 16th century because they're so crucial to Christians to understand. And I want to ask, what about you? Do you know what grace is? Have you experienced God's grace in your life? Do you, did you recognize the grace that Sriath was sharing about? Do you recognize it in your life? Do you have faith in Christ that he died for you and that you can be forgiven of all the sin, no matter how many sins you have committed, no matter how bad you feel about it, no matter how burdened you are by sin, <clears throat> excuse me, you can be forgiven and have a relationship with God? Have you come to the point whether you are a Christian, you could be an uh, maybe not yet a Christian, or maybe even a Christian as well, sometimes Christians are guilty of this as well, of realizing that there is nothing we can do to earn salvation. That is a great uh, truth of assurance. Maybe you have been striving. Maybe, and maybe we could be talking to Christians here as well. Maybe you have been striving toward heaven, trying to work toward it. 
can I encourage you to let go of that burden that you're placing upon yourself? Because God's word is very clear. It is done. It is finished. Grace means salvation is yours. I'm going to pray, and then the band's going to come up to play another hymn for us as we finish. But I want to just give a moment of quiet, maybe for you just to respond in your own heart to the things that you've heard this evening uh, during our time together. Maybe God's been speaking to you as someone who doesn't yet know him, and you can feel that prompting in your heart to come to him and accept the grace that has been shown to you through Christ and put your faith in him. Or maybe you're a believer this evening and you haven't fully grasped this great free gift that's been given to you. And he's encouraging you to let go of the things that you're clinging on to or, or striving for. But whatever it may be, let's just take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us in each of our hearts.